0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Winnie Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for everyone everywhere, all over the world. And for the many who may find it hard to love others, for whatever reasons, remember that love is our essence, the core of our being, even though we may sometimes forget. And we don't have to receive it to be it, neither should we be disappointed if it is not reciprocated. For the rewards and accolades in this world are transitory. But the divine blessings of our mighty I Am Presence We move in love, all eternal. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved.
1: O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that killeth the prophets, and stoned them that are sent unto her. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Jesus Jesus weeping over Jerusalem is the picture of a great love welling up in the heart and flowing out to all the earth, the love of the Good Father for his erring and willful children. Such is the love of Christ for his own, such is the love of God through Christ for all creation. We may talk about the wisdom of God, but the love of God must be felt in the heart. It cannot be described and one who has not felt it can have no concept of it from the descriptions of others. But the more we talk about love, the stronger it grows in the consciousness, and if we persist in thinking loving thoughts and speaking loving words, we are sure to bring into our experience the feeling of that great love that is beyond description, the very love of God. It is popularly taught and believed that there is but one love, that God is love and that all love is from Him, hence that all love is God's love. Love is a divine principle and man can know it in its purity by touching it at its fountainhead. There it is not tinged in any way by man's formative thought, but flows forth a pure, pellucid stream of infinite ecstasy. It has no consciousness of good or evil, pure or impure, but pours itself out in great oceans of living magnetic power, to be used by whosoever will. Man has a faculty through which he receives love from being, this faculty is commonly called the heart. The heart, however, is but the visible expression of an invisible center of consciousness. Sense discerns that man has a heart, but soul discerns an inner faculty in man through which he may express an attribute of being. By his word, man calls his powers into activity, that through them he may manifest God. Jesus was the orderly man of God, manifesting under divine law the attributes of being. Jesus called unto him his disciples. That is, by his word he spiritually quickened and educated his 12 faculties. Peter, faith active in the thinking faculty, is the first disciple called. Peter is the rock foundation of that consciousness which is the Church of Christ. You will find that the character of your whole consciousness depends upon how you think. You may have great love, but unless you guide it with right thoughts it will not build up a harmonious consciousness. Love poured through the heart of a mother who has fear in her thought, shatters the body of a delicate child. The thinker must be strong and sure in his grasp of right thoughts. The second disciple is Andrew, brother to Peter, he represents strength. James represents judgment, discrimination, the faculty that chooses the good and eschews the evil. This faculty must be brought out before love in its fullness is safe in the life of man. Love is not will and volition, except as they are infused into it by the other faculties. John is love, and he leaned on the master's bosom. This is to symbolize the innocence, tenderness, and dependence of love. Peter is bold, impetuous, executive, affirms his undying allegiance to the Master one moment and denies him the next, but the loyalty and the constancy of love were dominant in the character of John. We find that these four faculties, evenly balanced, will form the foundation of a harmonious body and mind. You must think and think with faith in both God and yourself, that is Peter. You must think with strength and power, that is Andrew. You must think with judgment and discretion, that is James. You must center all your thought, your strength, and your judgment in love, that is John. To Peter, the faithful thinker, is given the key to the kingdom of heaven, but he can never open the gate until he has reconciled all the other faculties. Many people in this day have found how much depends upon right thinking, and they are counting on getting into the kingdom of health and harmony by holding good thoughts only. They have not always taken into consideration the fact that the thinking faculty is merely the executive power in the consciousness, and that it depends upon many other faculties for the material out of which its thoughts are formed. To think without strength is to bring forth weakly, without effect. To think without judgment is to bring forth malformed mental creations, good and evil, spirit and matter, sickness and health, life and death, and the thousand other Babylonish conditions found in the world. To think without love is to bring forth hate, discord, and inharmony. So, it is not thought alone that opens the way into the kingdom, but a right use of all the powers of mind and body centered in thought. Talks on Truth by Charles Fillmore, 1912
0: Isis and Chapter 15
1: It is the opinion of Professor A. Wilder, that if the Assyrians had been called Turanians and the Mongolian sides, then, in such a case the wars of Iran and Tehran, Zohak and Jamsid, or Yima, would have been fairly comprehended if the struggle of the old Persians against the endeavors of the Assyrian satraps to conquer them, which ended in the overthrow of Nineveh, the spider weaving her web in the palace of Aphrazia. The Turanian of Professor Muller in his school, adds our correspondent was evidently the savage and nomadic Caucasian, out of whom the Hamite or Ethiopian builders come, then the Shemites, perhaps a hybrid of Hamite and Aryan, and lastly the Aryan, Median, Persian, Hindu, and later, the Gothic and Slavic peoples of Europe. He supposes the Kalt to have been a hybrid, analogous to the Assyrians, between the Aryan invaders of Europe and the Iberic, probably Ibaric population of Europe. In such a case he must admit the possibility of our assertion that the Akkadians were a tribe of the earliest Hindus. Now, whether they were Brahmins, from the Brahminic planosphere proper, 40 degrees north latitude, or from India, Hindustan, or, again, from the India of Central Asia, we will leave to philologists of future ages to decide. An opinion which with us amounts to certitude, demonstrated by an inductive method of our own, which we are afraid will be, but little appreciated by the orthodox methods of modern science, is based on what will appear to the latter, merely circumstantial evidence. For years we have repeatedly noticed that the same esoteric truths were expressed in identical symbols and allegories in countries between which there had never been traced any historical affiliation. We have found the Jewish Kabbalah and the Bible repeating the Babylonian myths, and the Oriental and Chaldean allegories, given in form and substance in the oldest manuscripts of the Siamese Talapoin, monks, and in the popular but oldest traditions of Ceylon. H. P. Blavatsky In the latter place we have an old and valued acquaintance whom we have also met in other parts of the globe, a Pali scholar, and a native Singhalese, who has in his possession a curious palm leaf, to which, by chemical processes, a time-proof durability has been given, and an enormous conch, or rather one half of a conch, for it has been split in two. On the leaf we saw the representation of a giant of Salonian antiquity and fame, blind and pulling down, with his outstretched arms, which are embracing the four central pillars of a pagoda, the whole temple on a crowd of armed enemies. His hair is long and reaches nearly to the ground. We were informed by the possessor of this curious relic, that the blind giant was Samona, the little, so-called in contradistinction with Simona Kadam, the Siamese savior. Moreover, the Pali legend, in his important particulars, corresponds with that of the biblical Samson. The shell bore upon its pearly surface a pictorial engraving, divided in two compartments, and the workmanship was far more artistic, as to conception and execution, than the crucifixes and other religious trinkets carved out of the same material in our days, at Jaffa in Jerusalem. In the first panel is represented Shiva, with all his Hindu attributes, sacrificing his son, whether the only begotten, or one of many, we never stop to inquire. The victim is laid on a funeral pile, and the father is hovering in the air over him, with an uplifted weapon ready to strike but the god's face is turned toward a jungle in which a rhinoceros has deeply buried its horn in a huge tree and is unable to extricate it. The adjoining panel, or division, represents the same rhinoceros on the pile with the weapon plunged in its side, and the intended victim, Shiva's son, free, and helping the god to kindle a fire upon the sacrificial altar. Now, we have but to remember that Shiva and the Palantinian Baal or Moloch and Saturn are identical that Abraham is held until the present day by the Mohammedan Arabs as Saturn in the Kaaba, that Abraham and Israel were names of Saturn, and that Sanconi Atone tells us that Saturn offered his only begotten son as a sacrifice to his father Ornos, and even circumcised himself and forced all his household and allies to do the same, to trace unerringly the biblical myth to its source. But this source is neither Phoenician, nor Chaldean, it is purely Indian, and the original of it may be found in the Mahabharata, But, whether Brahmanical or Buddhistical, it must certainly be much older than the Jewish Pentateuch, as compiled by Ezra after the Babylonian captivity, and revised by the rabbis of the Great Synagogue. Therefore, we are bold enough to maintain our assertion against the opinion of many men of learning, whom, nevertheless, we consider far more learned than ourselves. H. P. Blavatsky
0: The I Am Discourses, Volume 14.
1: When you understand this sacred fire love is in the universe, and it is the controller of all systems of worlds, do you not think it can control you? Do you not think it can control your physical affairs? It can control everything mankind does if mankind would use it, and since mankind has used discord to control certain powers of nature and forces of the elements, there comes the hour when that must stop. So, we are asking you to set this habit, that you may be able to stop it in the physical world, as we enfold you in our sacred fire loves indestructible purity that keeps you safe, indestructible protection, and indestructible release of the things that you need to go forward and fulfill the great divine plan and reveal what the world calls miracles. Blessed ones, I will not hold you longer and I hope today I may have illumined to you something of what the sacred fire love of the seven mighty Aloha means to life. Mankind should understand how important it is, when it is placed within the brain structure of every physical body in this world. If mankind would only use our heart's flame, and the heart flame of the mighty I in presence of each life stream, to pour its indestructible sacred fire purity into everything you contact, to purify it and bring all into divine order harmoniously and permanently, suffering will cease and limitation will be no more. We enfold you in its healing presence. It will heal, first of all, those who use it, because if you are willing to heal the world and free mankind. Automatically the greater love from our octave wants to heal you and free you from anything that is of limitation. So go forward and use it without limit, but use it just exactly like you use the air you breathe. Fill yourself with it and realize that every bit of perfection depends upon it, and no perfection has ever been created in this world or any other without it. It's the supreme source of everything that is right and will never create anything that isn't right. So, your security is eternal, and purity is eternal, too, but only comes from the sacred fire of our love and the love of your mighty I Am Presence. Go forward and use it, use it, use it, and let us give you the blessings that will enable you to bless others, until wherever you go the powers of nature become purified automatically, and become your protectors, your suppliers, your blessings for all time to come. Beloved Aloha Marion. These things have been placed in this world by the great cosmic law, and the great cosmic law of manifestation everywhere in interstellar space is the sacred fire love of indestructible purity. Use it. Use it. Use it and set all life free wherever you abide. Send it forth everywhere that discord seems to be, and the more you use it, the more you become it, and the more you use it, the more invincible you become, and the more you use it, the more you raise into our perfection for eternity. We clothe you in our eternal sun presence of our hearts flames indestructible sacred fire loves indestructible purity, and complete mastery over every bit of discord in this world, and we enfold you in all you can ever use the rest of eternity. Call your beloved I am presence into action to make you remember to use it, and then set the rest of life free wherever you abide. Know what it means to live in the world of the Ascended Master's sacred fire loves indestructible purity and victory without limit for eternity, which forever prevents all wrong. We clothe you in the victory and protection of eternity, and the peace for which you have called becomes your reality and your Son presence, to forever abide within its glory. Thank you, with all my heart. Beloved Aloha Morayim.